Hello again, and welcome back to The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind by William Conquamba and Brian Miller. We're going to be reading chapter 14, The World Discovers Wimby. Despite the incident with the famine, my popularity as an inventor led to other opportunities. That same year, one of the teachers at Wimby Primary asked if I'd be interested in starting a science club for the students. He was impressed by my windmill and wanted one on campus. The students look up to you, he said. Your skills in science will really challenge their brains. Sure, I said, I'll do it. The windmill I created for the school was small, much like my first radio experiment. For the blades, I used a metal maize pail and the generator was a radio motor. I attached it to a blue gum pole and ran the wires into my old Panasonic two-battery radio. I did this during recess one morning when all the kids were playing soccer. When I connected the wires and the music blasted through the schoolyard, a small riot erupted from all the excitement. The windmill not only allowed students to listen to music and news, but they could also charge their parents' mobile phones. Each Monday, I explained to them the basics of science and gave some popular examples of simple innovation, like how ink was first made by using charcoal. I also demonstrated the cup and string experiment featured in my books to help explain how a telephone works. I walked them through the steps of how I built everything using everyday materials. So many things around you are reusable, I told them. Where others see garbage, I see opportunity. I hoped I was inspiring them in some way because if I could teach my neighbors how to build windmills, I thought, what else could we build together? In science, we invent and create, I continued. We make new things that can benefit our situation. If we can all invent something to make our lives better, we can change Malawi. I later found out that some of the students had been so inspired by the windmill, they'd gone home and made toy versions themselves. I imagined what it would be like if all those pinwheels were real. What if every home and shop in Wimby had machines on the rooftops to catch the wind? At night, the entire valley would sparkle like a clear sky full of stars. Bringing electricity to my people no longer seemed like a madman's dream. In early November 2006, some officials from the Malawi Teacher Training Activity were inspecting the library at Wimby Primary when they noticed my windmill in the schoolyard. They asked Miss Sakilo who'd built it, and she gave them my name. One of them telephoned his boss, Dr. Hartford Machismi, and described what he'd seen. A few days later, Dr. Machismi drove five hours to Wimby. He was even more amazed once he saw the larger windmill at my house, and he asked my father if he could speak with the boy who built it. He's here, my father said, and he called me from my room. Dr. Machismi was an older man with gray hair and kind, patient eyes. But when he spoke, his command of language was large and powerful. 
I'd never heard anyone speak such good Chichiwa, and when he spoke English, it was simply eloquent. He asked me about the windmill and how it came about. Tell me everything, he said. I told the story as I'd done a hundred times before, then took him through the house demonstrating how my switches and the circuit breaker worked. He listened carefully, nodding his head, and asked specific questions. These are very tiny bulbs. Why aren't you using big ones? I can use big ones, I said, but big lights require more voltage. The dynamo is only so strong. How far did you go with your education? Just the first year in secondary school. Then how did you know this stuff about voltage and power? I've been borrowing books from your library. Who teaches you this stuff? Who helps you? No one, I said. I've been reading and doing it alone. Dr. Machisme then went to see my parents. You have lights in your house because of your son, he said. What do you think of this? We thought he was mad, <laughs> my mother said. <laughs> Dr. Machisme laughed and shook his head. I want to tell you something, he said. You may not realize, but your son has done an amazing thing, and this is only the beginning. You're going to see a lot more people coming here to see William Kamkwamba. I have a feeling this boy will go far. I want you to be ready. The visit left me a little confused and very excited. No one had ever asked me such questions before, and no one had taken that kind of interest. That afternoon, Dr. Machismi returned to his office in Zomba and told his colleagues what he had seen. This is fantastic, they said. The whole world needs to know about this boy. I agree, said Dr. Machismi. I, and I have just the idea. The next week, Dr. Machismi returned to my house with a journalist from Radio One. It was the famous Everson Masaya, whose voice I had heard for years. He had come to my house to interview me. What do you call this thing? He asked. I'm calling it electric wind, but how does it work? The blades spin and generate power from a dynamo. And in the future, what do you want to do with this? I want to reach every village in Malawi so people can have lights and water. While we waited for the Radio 1 interview to air, Dr. Machisme came with even more reporters. These men represented all the great media organizations in Malawi. Mudzuwithu and Zodiac Radio Channels, The Daily Times, The Nation, and Malawi News. They poured out of the car with their cameras and tape recorders and flocked around the windmill. For two hours, they moved through the house, elbowing and shoving one another to get the best pictures of my switches and battery system. You've had your time. Now it's my turn. Move aside. My paper is bigger. Soon, our yard was filled with crowds from the trading center who had come to gawk at the famous journalists. Look, it's Noel Kubwe from Zodiac, they said. Finally, we see his face. What a handsome man. And he's interviewing William. One of the reporters even climbed my tower and studied the blades and chain system, taking pictures the whole time. Mm, ch 
Chaz, Chazimi, this chap is a genius, he shouted. Yes, he answered. And this is the problem with our system. We're losing talent like this all the time as a result of poverty. And when we do send them back to school, it's not a good education. I'm bringing you here because I want the world to see what this boy has done. I want them to help. Like me, Dr. Machismi's father had also been a poor farmer who struggled to feed and clothe his family, but he knew the value of an education. At one point, when Dr. Machismi was young, he had volunteered to drop out of school and work so his brothers could go instead. His father refused, saying, all of my kids will stay in school. I'll do whatever it takes. It took nearly 10 years for Dr. Machismi to complete his secondary education. He later earned degrees from universities in Malawi, America, Britain, and South Africa. Before working for the MTTA, he had written many Malawian textbooks, including my own Standard 8 English Reader. The day after the journalist came to visit, the interview finally aired on Radio 1. I was behind the house chatting with my aunt when my mother shouted, William, quick, it's coming on. My family gathered around the radio and I heard the announcer say, a boy in Wimby near Kasunga has made electric wind. When my voice came through the speakers, my sisters began to cheer. <laughs> If the radio show weren't enough good fortune, the story in the Daily Times was published the following week with a big headline that said, School Dropout with a Streak of Genius. The story had a photo of me pretending to connect the wires to the battery in my room, still unable to wipe the smile from my face. That afternoon, I took the paper to the trading center to show everyone what the madman had done. We also heard you on the radio. They said, we're so impressed at how well you spoke. In a way, it took having these reporters come to my house to make our town finally accept my windmill. After the media coverage, the number of visitors to my house increased tenfold. Shortly after I started some much needed improvements on the windmill, I realized the big mango tree behind the latrine was blocking my strongest wind and I needed to go higher. My father, with the Daily Times story under his arm, was able to convince the manager of the tobacco estate to give me several giant poles, which I used to build a tower that was 36 feet high. Once I moved it away from the mango tree, the speed of my blades doubled, and so did the voltage.